last couple days, several from the worship arts team, and, and I got to go be part of a retreat in Missouri, and uh, it was great, um, except uh, a person on the team got pretty sick yesterday, so coming back uh, took a little longer, and we had to change some plans and uh, unload a van this morning and uh, get things done, and that's kind of life sometimes, isn't it? It doesn't always go according to plan, and you have to scramble a little bit. And uh, it's kind of funny that that would happen on the last day of this declutter series that we've been part of. And so um, uh, it, would be, uh, it would be good for me, and I hope it would be good for you. Let's just pause and, uh, and ask God's blessing and ask God to help us uh, kind of lean into what he wants to teach us um, this morning. And by the way, uh, we're glad to have the kids with us due to another sickness. Um, we have the kids with us today, and so... Um, we're really glad to have the kids with us and, and glad to have you here. So let, let's pray and just ask God's blessing. God, we, uh, we've all experienced uh, the times where a plan doesn't go quite according to plan, and so we have to kind of scramble and move fast and be busy, and sometimes those things can pile up, and uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's felt a little bit of that this morning, and yet here we are uh, in this moment where we um, sing about your spirit and your church. We get to just think and sing the name and praise the name of Jesus, and we're thankful for these moments, and um, I pray that over the next few minutes that we would open our ears to listen to what you want to teach us this morning, and we, we know that every time we open the word that you are speaking to us and to us individually, to us as a church family. So we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we've been in this series talking about decluttering, and I, I brought the chalkboard up here with me because we've decluttered lots of stuff over this series, and I, I'm so thankful to hear the stories of how many of you have decluttered some stuff in your lives and have committed to what is most important so that it makes it easier to declutter some of that stuff, and we, we've decluttered some of our finances, and the truth is that some people suffer because they have too little and some suffer because they have too much. And when we get our priorities straight and we kind of imagine the table and we put, okay, on this table of my life, I commit to giving and I commit to saving and then everything else I got to figure out from there. And when we walk in God's ways, it kind of declutters and makes those other decisions a little bit easier for us. Uh, we've talked about decluttering our schedules and no, no person has the right to ignore the needs of others in their schedule. And at the same time, no person has the right to ignore quiet time with God in their schedule. We need both. We've tried to declutter some friendships, not getting rid of friends, but getting rid of the stuff that comes between us and our friends. And uh, last week, we were encouraged and challenged to be a friend like David, a friend like Jonathan. And I know some of you took that challenge this week to, to reach out to some friends this week in an, in an extra way to care for them. And in all of that, we've tried to declutter our souls. George Mueller said, I saw the first grade and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy before the Lord. And I hope that after five weeks of this, that you've come to this understanding of what the soul even is. I've failed you if you do not. The, the soul is more than your spirit. Because if you want a soulmate, you want more than just to kind of have some spiritual things in common, although that would be the first place to start. But you want to be able to connect emotionally and intellectually 
and in marriage physically. And, and your soul is you. It's your whole person. It's all the things that make up you. It includes your body and your intellect and your emotions and the spirit, the will is at the very center of that. And we pray it's the spirit of God at the very core of you that makes all of that different. So does everybody with me? Your soul is who? You. It's your whole person. It's how God created you. And a soul we know is much more than just some DNA. It's, it's all of you. And it's also beyond just the spiritual part of you, although that's the, the most important of the core, but the soul is all of you together wrapped up, and you're just one person, aren't you? And, and when I, I asked somebody how they were the other day, and they were like, well, what part of me? Well, just, just you. How are you? Because we could kind of divvy it all up, like, well, financially, it's been a bad week. Physically, I'm doing great. Emotionally, I'm really sad. You know, but you're just you, right? You're just you, and, you're, and your soul kind of encompasses all of that. And so today, on this last day, we're going to talk about a subject that has a lot of practical application, but also is a great metaphor throughout Scripture to spiritual things. We're going to talk about decluttering our bodies. And it's tough on this one because there's so many unhealthy influences in our world. You know, there's scientists who are somewhere in a room right now, locked up, figuring out ways to put chemicals in foods that will make you want to eat more of them and think that you're never full. I mean, this is true. Did you know this? I don't know if they're meeting right now, but they're meeting sometime this week, and that's what they do. And they design food, so you eat them, and you want more and more and more. Can anybody say Pringles? Keep Pringles away from me, because if you give me the can, it's gone, okay? I can't just have one. And, and then there's commercials that are telling us that there's great things to eat. And commercials are pretty powerful, and I know that they're powerful, because there's a commercial that has not aired. I haven't heard it in years and years, and yet I'm going to start it, and, and you're going to finish it for me. Kids, you may not know it, but you'll be impressed with your parents. All right, you ready? Chili's baby back ribs. Oh, there, there we go. Nancy got into the, I, go, I want my baby back, baby back. Yeah, remember that? Uh, the Chili's commercial is still with me, and I want ribs right now because of that silly little song, and it really gets to us. But we can't give up on this issue, thinking about having a healthy body, because it's a spiritual issue. And you just read a menu, and you read some spiritual words. Spiritual words even like decadent, temptation, sin, guilt, you know. Uh, and there's all these related spiritual principles like gratitude, stewardship, pride, false gods. Can food control us? Mm-hmm. God's image, do eating disorders impact our society? Mm-hmm. Sacrifice, hospitality, um, uh, being, being wise with money, joyfulness, Sabbath, all of these things kind of can play a role. And I want to teach some principles. We were able to read from Daniel last year, and I, I want to read some of that text again, but push a little bit further. And then I'm not going to get into some of the practical things that we've done at some points in the past, because on November 18th at 1.30, we're going to have a nutrition seminar here that Sloan Taylor is going to lead. And you might want to just go ahead and write that on your calendar. Sloan is our resident nutrition guru, um, working at St. Francis and with the University of Tulsa. And uh, I want to give a plug for the seminar on the 18th because... Uh, Sloan approaches everything with grace, and that's just really refreshing for someone who talks about nu nutrition and being healthy, and I think all of us can learn from that, and so I hope that you can be a part of that. 
coming up here in a few weeks. And if you have your Bibles, turn them to Daniel chapter 1. And so you, you may remember that when Babylon had conquered Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar was king, and he took some of Israel's best and brightest young people. And Daniel was probably, you know, 15 to 18 years old, maybe something like that. And uh, Daniel was one of those taken. He, he was probably had a, a future full of hope and dreams. And all of that was taken from him when he was marched off and he ends up in Babylon and they begin teaching him all the ways of Babylon so that he would be wise and smart and fit and all of these things so he could serve King Nebuchadnezzar, the wicked king. And uh, one of the things that they tell them is, here's your diet. You're going to eat kind of like the king does, uh, you know, wine and all of these fancy meats and all of this. And most of us would be like, score, this is the best news I've heard all day. But Daniel says, hey, do you think it'd be okay if I wrote my own menu for me and the guys? And the person assigned to get all of these guys in shape for King Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, listen, like, I'm reporting to King Nebuchadnezzar. I can't just do anything you ask. I don't want to end up in trouble. And so Daniel makes him a deal. And we read about that deal in Daniel chapter 1, verse 12. Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Apparently, you can just do that and survive. Who would have thought? <laughs> Verse 13. Then, Daniel says, compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. And I imagine Daniel just lost the popularity contest with everyone else. And so the king comes and evaluates them and skip down to verse 20. It says, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. So Daniel's experiment proves that eating his way was wiser than eating the other way. And not only did it make them more physically healthy, but it affected their mind. And that's, again, where our, our soul connects us, the physical and the emotional and the intellectual. We're just one person, and when we get healthy in one area, it tends to have an effect in the other areas of our life. It at least has that potential to. So I want to share a few principles uh, some that we've gone over before that I think that we just really need to highlight here from this text because they're so important. And the first principle is this. Your body isn't worthy of your worship, but it is worthy of your care. Does overeating and undereating, is it good for our souls? No. It's not good for our souls. It's not good for our bodies. It's not good for our emotions, our minds. It's not good for any of us. And sometimes, though, We've thought, okay, I don't want to be unhealthy. I want to be really, really healthy. And we become obsessed with our own body. And we begin to go from just caring for our body to worshiping our body. If you find yourself at the gym grunting and making noises and flexing your muscles for hours at a time, you might have crossed that line at some point. <laughs> but it doesn't even have to be that extreme. 
It could be someone who just is always thinking, I got to look better to impress someone. I got to look better to feel better about myself. And we can begin to worship our body, and our bodies aren't worth being worshiped. Only God is. And sometimes we think, I don't want to worship my body, so then we just don't even care for it at all. I was thinking about um, moms who uh, are pregnant, and they have a little baby inside of them. Sometimes that diet changes a little bit, right? You know, there's some rules. But I've seen so many women just make all of these sacrifices to care for that baby inside of them. And I've thought, are we worth caring for our own bodies the same way that a mom cares for the baby on her inside? Don't you have value too? And we want to even maybe think about ourselves that way, that, that you deserve being cared for and physically. And you're the one who gets to do lots of the caring. And so... Your body is useful. It is a helpful resource, a tool. God uses certainly the lowly and the weak and the sick and the surprising all through Scripture. And God also uses us when we can be healthy and just being able to, to volunteer or to think clearly, to speak, and to pray. And Nebuchadnezzar str- strategically took Israel is, is the Israelites' best who could work for him, maybe against other people. And Daniel and his pals outdid the others physically, but also mentally. Gary Thomas said this. He said, view your body as an instrument, not an ornament, like to hang on the tree. By the way, Daniel lived to be an old man. We don't even know exactly how old he lived to be, but he was old because he outlived a whole bunch of kings and others. And so his way of life proved to work, and that's what we typically see. Of course, someone could have something happen. And disease and sickness and accidents can happen. But we also see that taking care of yourself can be a very good thing for you in the long run. And Daniel got to influence so many lives. And part of that was because how he chose to treat his own body. Second principle is to view exercise and eating as spiritual. Not as worshiping your body, but as worshiping God. Proverbs 23 says, when you sit down to eat with the ruler, think about what is in front of you. Put a knife to your neck if you are a man who is given to too much eating. Ooh. Do not desire his special foods, for they are put there for no good reason. Now, I don't want you to be violent to yourself tonight at a Super Bowl party, okay? Um, but Proverbs is written to get our attention and to say, hey, listen, be careful here. Don't fall into this trap of just being obsessed with something that tastes good. That's the way of the child, right? Kids are here with us, and if we threw a bunch of candy out, the kids would be climbing over chairs to get it, right? But God expects us to mature in our life at some point and not to be obsessed with just the things that we desire. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, and that self-control has application for all kinds of parts of life, including what we put into our mouths. 1 Corinthians 6 says, the body is meant for the Lord. So if you're married, you are to be, uh, treat with care your spouse. If you have money, you are to be a good steward and treat with care that money. If you have a mind, and most of us do sometimes, you're to treat your mind with care because you want to be a good steward of what God has given you. So you want your mind to grow and, in wisdom and knowledge and application. And we could become proud of our bodies, or we could pray as we stretch and exercise, thanking God for the chance to walk or to jog or uh, to eat healthy, whatever that may be. 
And we can fill our mind with good things, just as we can fill our body with good things. And we could abuse food instead if we chose, or we can honor God. Physical training, First Timothy says, is of some value. It's of some value. But spiritual training has value for all things. It's okay to value both. We keep the priority there into spiritual training. But physical training is still of some value. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whatever you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. My brother-in-law gave me permission to share the story, but he was praying a number of years ago, and he realized he kept praying the same prayer, you know, God bless this food. But the food in front of him, he realized, was junk. And he kept basically asking God to do a miracle on that plate and somehow turn the junk food into something that could actually bring nutrition to him. And he realized it was nutritionless. And in that spiritual conviction, something changed in him, and he said, I think God is holding me accountable to do what I can so that I can actually pray a prayer with a straight face and say, God, bless this food that I've chosen that can bring some nutrition to me to bring nutrition to me, to bless me. It's a spiritual issue we're talking about. The third principle, we're going to move through a few of these real quick, is make a plan. Daniel made a plan. He's like, here's the diet. I'm going to write it out. And I would say to you, make a plan, any common sense plan. Don't get on every new plan you see that comes across the website and keep changing the plan every week. That's not very helpful, is it? Because we get on the plan, and then we crater for a month. And then we get on another plan, and we crater for it. Now, find a plan that is common sense. Talk to Sloan or someone like that and, and get a good plan that you can keep that's reasonable. And, and you'll find that that is helpful. The fourth principle is to measure. How many days did Daniel give them? Ten. That's... that's that's kind of a lot of pressure. <laughs> like 10 days, can something really change? Can I feel differently in 10 days? Yeah. I don't know if other people will notice in 10 days like the king did. That seemed to be pretty extreme. But I think that you can feel differently in 10 days. Um, and I think whatever we do, we want to measure. Like, is this actually helping, giving me a little more energy, or am I feeling a little bit worse? Or am, am I able to serve? Am I able to be present with my family? Am I tired all day at work? Just, just measure what we're doing. Is it helpful for me? I don't, I don't think measuring is just being on the scale. That can be a part of it. But also just measuring how is this impacting my life and everything about me. The fifth principle that we see from Daniel is to be courageous. Don't be a wimp. You know what wimps do? Wimps, when somebody comes and says, hey, do this instead of what you think is right. They're like, okay. Well, I mean... They did give me the, the nachos for free. <laughs> Couldn't turn. Don't be a wimp every time. You can be a wimp every once in a while. You can be gracious, and that's really the difference, and that's the next principle. Uh, but, but be courageous in your life. If someone came and, and handed you a, a bunch of magazines that you knew were full of filth and junk and said, hey, these are a gift, would you read them? You'd be like, no thanks. I hope you would be like that because you want to protect your mind and your soul and your spirit. And so if somebody handed you stuff that was just really bad for you and you knew that you'd already, you know, were on the edge of overdoing it that week, you were beyond any levels of grace that you needed to give yourself, okay, maybe there's a way to be gracious and courageous at the same time to do the right things. And um, I get it. It's tough. It, I think that if we just walk our normal life, at least if I walk kind of my normal day, then I make bad food decisions 
all the time. There's always somebody or always some place where that's, it's easier to do the wrong thing than what is going to be healthy for me. And Daniel was unbelievably courageous. It mattered to him that he honored God with his body. It was good at the... Some researchers would tell you it takes 21 days to make a habit. So maybe you need longer than 10 to really measure or to make a new habit. But do something and stick with it. I have a friend who has a running group. And their key phrase that they have is quit quitting. <laughs> and, and a lot of people in the group don't even run. And they walk and they come and they walk every week together. And he just says quit quitting. Quit doing. When you find and you're doing something that is right, do it. Don't quit what is right. Quit quitting. <laughs> we tend to quit the things that are right often. And that sixth principle, I, I mentioned it, kind of balances with all of the others. And it is this. Be gentle and gracious with yourself, with each other. You know, Daniel does not, like, say, you guys are just a bunch of idiots. You know, eating all that stuff. How could you do that? Who do you think you I mean, he could have just laid it on thick and put this big guilt trip on them. And he doesn't do any of that, does he? He just says, hey, can, can I do something a little bit different? And I, you know, guilt, you know, every, you know, the Holy Spirit can convict us sometimes. And every once in a while, a loving friend in the right moment, in the right way, can say something to you that helps convict you in a healthy way. But just throwing down guilt trips on people isn't the healthiest thing. And almost every Sunday when I leave, somebody comes up to me or says something to me or drops a note to me and says, man, it was just like you were preaching right at me today. And my comment always back is, you know, well, God has good timing because I really wasn't thinking about you when I wrote this sermon to try to step on your toes. If the Holy Spirit convicts you, that's not my problem. <laughs> that's actually a wonderful thing. I'm so thankful the Holy Spirit wants to interact in our lives and to convict us sometimes. But I don't want to stand up here and say it's me throwing guilt out at anybody. The Holy Spirit convicts someone, though. We ought to listen to that. And when we talk to people, we want to be gracious and gentle and Physical health is like all things in life. Like if, if we failed in the past or we haven't always done great in the past, okay, we have not. God is gracious and that is wonderful. And then God would say, now that you know what is true, now that you know where you are today, take some steps forward. Do what is right in my eyes, according to my plan. You know, one of the best real life teachers is really how we treat our bodies. I've been thinking about that a lot the last couple of weeks. You know, one of the great truths of the Bible is die to self. The, the first shall be last. If you gain the whole world, you lose your soul. And it's this idea of delayed gratification, right? Don't we want our kids to learn delayed gratification, such as you save up money, you save up money, you save up money, you save up money. You don't just blow it on bubble gum and bubble gum and bubble gum, but you save up money, you save up money, you save up money, and then you're able to do with that what you really desired. And, and with, um, with food, you know, that delayed gratification of, like, I don't always just do what I want to do, like, right now. For the runner who's out uh, running, I saw a guy running out early this morning, and it was cold, and I was like, man, he's, he's out really early, and it's really cold, and for him, it's delayed gratification, because I don't think he was enjoying it that very moment, 
And when someone's training, uh, an Olympic runner is out training and they're running and they feel nauseous and their side hurts, that's not fun. But what's the delayed gratification? The reward at the end, the feeling of accomplishment when they finish that run, or maybe for an Olympic runner when they get a medal around their head. That's that delayed gratification that we want to teach everybody. And it's such a part of the Christian life that I die to myself today to gain what only Christ can give. I am humble and I take it on the chin from somebody who's angry at me today because God says to, and I, and I, I want to keep what God has in store for me at the end. And so we delay, we delay, we delay what we want. Right now we delay and we say, God has something better than what's right there in front of me right now. The kingdom is like this. And physical discipline can be a great teacher. And if we grow that muscle of not the bicep, but the muscle of, spiritual, of physical discipline and spiritual discipline together and saying, I don't have to always cave to what my stomach wants. If we can build that muscle, that muscle carries us through other parts of life, right? That I don't have to always buy what I want. I don't always have to go out and be entertained every moment I'm a little bit bored. I, don't, I, I, can, I can learn to delay and be okay with where I am and content right now. That's a great spiritual discipline. So when we talk about decluttering, what we've kind of done every week with this is we don't only want to just talk about the stuff we need to get rid of in our lives, right? And one of the things with, with junk food, food that's not healthy for us, food that's easy maybe and quick, lots of times inexpensive, and that makes it difficult, to turn down. But the problem with that is lots of times we fill ourselves so much full of stuff that lacks nutrition that we have no appetite for anything that has nutrition. And so we fill ourselves up with stuff that doesn't actually help our bodies. And so the challenge that we have this week is, um, you know, I, I, to, to not start just getting rid of everything that you like. Instead, Let's just start the same way we've started all of the other things through this whole series. We started the giving thing by thinking, or the finances, not by getting rid of all the things that we shouldn't spend money on, but by prioritizing how we want to use our money first. I give first, I save next, and then I live off the rest. And I want to do the same thing. What if, what if, instead of thinking about all the bad stuff we're eating, what if we thought about, here's what I know I need to eat. I know that fruits and vegetables are healthy. I know that my body needs water. And, and what if we just said, I'm going to commit to eating some fruits and vegetables every day? Or maybe you're already there and you can take a step forward and say, maybe I'm going to eat a fruit or vegetable with every meal. Researchers actually say, and this is kind of scary, the ideal is half of all of your intake should be either a fruit or vegetable. That's what they say. And they're usually pretty smart. <laughs> they know what's really healthy. But you think about it. What did God give us? He gave us a lot of fruits and vegetables. He also gave us animals, and I'm thankful for that. And, and God says, here's kind of this plan. Here's this wisdom. And, and I don't think we need to be legalistic about it. But here's the declutter challenge that I'm going to ask everybody to take. I'm not going to ask you to get on board with what the researchers say is the absolute best way because I think that might be too big of a jump for lots of us. But I do want to ask you to take a step towards there. If you're not eating any fruits and vegetables the entire week, 
then your step is to begin eating some fruits and vegetables during your week as a priority before you eat other things. If you're not drinking any water at all, drink a glass of water before every meal or once or twice a day if you're not doing it at all. Do the healthy stuff first and then see kind of what happens after that. And, and what I want to ask you to do is if, if you're not really in line with a healthy way to treat your body and if you aren't caring for your body and being a good steward of your body, what the challenge is take a step towards that by eating and drinking what is healthy first and then letting the other things play out. And maybe you'll be convicted to get rid of some things, but maybe you'll just be satisfied and learn to be satisfied with some things that will actually be healthy for you um, as opposed to so many of the options that we have. So that's the challenge is to take a step in that direction and to remember that God has lots of grace and to remember that we want to be really gracious with people. And, you know, every time, this is kind of funny because when, when we travel and sometimes foreign places have a, a reputation of like, oh, what did you think about the food? Every time I go on a mission trip, I gain weight. <laughs> um, almost every time. And when we were in India, I gained a lot of weight um, because, one, I love eating different food and Indian food is one of my weaknesses. I love it. But there's also a part of that when you go some places, you are gracious to eat what they serve you, right? So I want everyone to be gracious with people. And if somebody has you over to their house, kids and adults, you eat what is put in front of you and you say thank you every single time. We are gracious, right? That's the way we do that. And that's Paul's instructions in the New Testament. You be gracious with one another. But for what you, we can control... We want to be wise, and we want to be healthy. So we're going to give you a few options this morning to think about beyond just that big challenge, a couple other commitments that you may want to consider. And I'm going to give you some time to think about them and pray about them. And if you have kids here with you, I want you to maybe just talk to them quietly where you are about how God has been leading you. But here's some things I want you to think about, um, some additional steps. One of them might be this to commit to attending the nutritional workshop here in a couple weeks. A second step to consider is to review the past five weeks of challenges that we've had, all this stuff, and to think what, is, what are the ones or maybe one or two that you need to permanently implement and, and, and that you are going to keep after those. And then the last step, and this is kind of a shift here, but is to do one intentional thing to strengthen the spiritual body of Christ. That's each other. I'm going to give you uh, just about a minute, like we've been doing, to kind of process and think about these things and see kind of where God leads you to make a commitment. Uh, and maybe it's something different than these, but think about and see where God is leading you with that. Go ahead.
the chalkboard represented a lot of commitments of trying to do the right things and declutter some of the junk in our lives. And this beautiful thing can happen when we declutter some of the stuff in our life. Life can feel more simple and focused and beautiful, and we become available to people, and suddenly we're not thinking about all of these things, but the Holy Spirit has this way of just controlling us and saying, here's what's important today. Here's what's important for you. Here's what's important the next hour. When, when the, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak, that's a soul that's a little discombobulated there, and we felt that. And God wants your soul to be healthy and whole and together and have this focus on what is good and what is of God. And just as you want to care for your body, and uh, I've had kind of a, a wrist issue going on for several months that I've been doing stretches and learned all these things that I'm supposed to be doing. I should probably be doing my stretches right now while I preach, actually. And, and I want to take care of my wrist because I want to take care of my body. And you have things on your body that are like, man, this, my eye has been bothering me. I want to take care of that. And, and I want to make a little transition here. We are the body of Christ, so we take care of one another. That each person here has an obligation to care for the body as the church, as a unit, as a family. And if someone is hurting, we care for them. And if someone messes up, you know what? I'm not going to hate my wrist because it, it got a little upset. I want to care for it. I want to restore it. As a church family, we care for one another, and we love one another, and we, we try to heal one another because we, we're together in this. And uh, each week, we take communion, the Lord's Supper, here at Highland Park. And uh, if you're a guest and you're a believer, you're welcome to be part of this with us. In a few moments, we're going to pass the trays. And as they come by, uh, you can take the bread and the cup of juice, and you can Partake right then and, and put the cup back in the tray, or you can just hold on to them and take them whenever you're ready, and there's a little cup holder in front of you in the chair, whatever most helps you. But we want you to think about what Jesus has done for you during this time, where Jesus came to die for your soul so that you could be whole. And he didn't just come and die for your soul, but he also came and died for the soul of the person next to you person in front of you and behind you and across the planet. He died so that all people could know him, would have the opportunity to come to the Father through him. So when we take the communion today, we want you to reflect on any sin in your life that you need to give up to God and repent of. When I ask you to, to let the Holy Spirit kind of work, maybe convict you of that. Think about how Jesus' blood pays for your sin. And we want you to think about the body, and not only Jesus' body, but this spiritual body, this family. We want you to pray for each other. Be thankful that we can be in this together as a family and whole and together. I want to read from Ephesians 4. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient Bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. 
There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let's pray. God, thank you for your son who gave his soul, gave himself willingly on a cross so that our soul, our souls could be saved. And God, we, we thank you and we repent of any sin during this time. We ask that you reveal that to us. And God, we ask that as a body that during this time of communion, we forgive, we repent, we pray for one another, we vow to be together as a body and as a family, patient and bearing with one another as we celebrate this Lord's Supper together. In Jesus' name, amen.